And now, it's the time you've been waiting for, the opportunity to hear a bunch of veterans talk about stuff they care about. It's the Warrior Healing Podcast. Hi, my name is Mike Lemusio. I'm here at the Warrior Healing Center at 1838 Peso San Luis in Sierra Vista. And we're going to be talking about challenges with the veteran health care system. And I have with me today... Eddie Weathers and Rick Hackney. And they are veterans as well as myself. I am a Marine veteran from 1979 to 1982. Uh, peacetime veteran. Uh, I've served... 10 years in Marine Corps, and then 14 years in the Army, uh, peacetime and in combat. I was in the Coast Guard from 1974 till 1980, also peacetime. So we have a couple of generations of veterans here, and some of the challenges that uh, we are experiencing in the VA healthcare system is kind of what we want to chat about today, and uh, what the Warrior Healing Center is doing to combat the shortcomings of the healthcare system that the VA has in place right now. Does anybody want to start off with any challenges that they're experiencing? My problem is when we are sick just on a normal basis or want to try to get to see a doctor, it's usually two weeks to three weeks out before we can even get in there. So if you got the flu or something like that, you need care for right away, you don't get it. Right. And so to combat that, the VA put in place the Mission Act. So the Mission Act is kind of stage two of the uh, Veterans Choice. Veterans Choice. So it started out with Veterans Choice, and then Donald Trump enacted this Mission Act, which gives veterans the ability to go out into the community to find their own health care provider. The um, way I heard it is it's going to be urgent care only type stuff, not just regular care. That's that what... True? Well, it does, it does take care of regular care. I, okay. I currently had horrendous experiences with Sierra Vista and Tucson health care system. Um, the, the doctors aren't doctors. They're nurse practitioners. Right. Uh, counselors, I do a lot of the psychological. Uh, I work with the psychiatrists and the psychologists because I have PTSD, MST. Um, but there aren't any doctors or therapists in this area. In Sierra Vista, right now what they have is two social workers that are the counselors or the therapists for the mental health side. And then in Tucson, they have a couple programs, um, but trying to get into them, like you said, right. you know, it's like pulling teeth and then they're right. a month or two away. Recently, I had an experience where I had hurt my back and it was on a Saturday and I went to the emergency room in Benson was supposed to do a follow-up all they did there was give me two shots of lidocaine in my back for pain control okay sent me home I, monday i called them up to see if i could get in for the follow-up nurse says well you got to get your records here should be here sometime today or tomorrow we'll call you back week later never got a call back i called them guy answers the phone says let me see what's happened calls me back 10 minutes later says you got lost in the shuffle that's the only explanation they gave me so we're going to try to get you in again right Two hours later, I get a call from them. We're supposed to get you in here for an appointment, I guess, December 3rd. I said, that's not going to work. I've been in excruciating pain for a week now, and you're going to make me wait another week with no pain control at all? You know, ibuprofen's not getting it. So they said, I said, never mind. I hung up. I called the patient advocate's office, and I called Martha McSally's office. 
Martha McSally's office sent me a form to fill out, and I haven't done that yet, but the patient's advocate's office has a recording that says, leave your name and information, and we'll call you back sometime in the next 72 hours. They did call me back in a timely manner about four hours later, said, we're checking on to this, see what we can do for you. And I said, well, I've already called Martha McSally's office. She says, we know that. <laughs> Definitely they had got back to them. And so anyway, I get another call back. We can't get you until December 3rd again. I said, no, that's not going to work. We already tried that. And so I hung up on them again. A couple hours later, they called me back. Somebody canceled. We'll get you in at 2 o'clock tomorrow. But I had to go through all that work just to get to see the doctor. When I did get in to see her, she looks at my back and says, not much we can do for it. I'm going to give you some flexural for 10 days. Go home and ride it out. And all the pain medicine that actually helps, they've banned. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, the flexural, I don't even bother with that because it doesn't do any good. It's a muscle relaxer. Right. My pain's not muscle pain. It's deep backache pain, like a toothache in my back. I kind of went through the same situation uh, last year. Um, trying to get any kind of relief for my back. I have a, a problem with my neck, back, and hip. Um, they told me in the beginning, there's nothing we can do for you, but we can, unless you go through physical therapy. So I went to physical therapy, and they gave me a walker. And that doesn't help with the pain. No. So then they gave me a TENS unit. Then they gave me a heating pad. I've got both of those too. And then they gave me Tylenol, 375, two tablets a day or every four hours. So none of that was helping. Right. They refused to give you anything or any medication that is currently a narcotic. Right. Um, they they want to classify everybody in the veteran system or in the military as a drug addict. Yep. I'm going to take all your meds away. So... What I did find out, though, is if you go through the Mission Act and you get yourself away from the VA healthcare system, I have a doctor in town. I can choose my own primary care. Right. So when my primary care now orders me medication, because it's not a VA doctor, the VA pharmacy does fill it. Okay, I didn't understand you could get a primary care. I you, you can get primary care. Well, I get primary care. Mm -hmm. uh, I finally got them to give me a chiropractor, which is out here in the community. But yes, the Mission Act enables you to get your all of your treatment outside of the VA healthcare system. How do you qualify for that? You just call up the VA, call Tucson. Uh, in this area, of course, yeah. you would call Tucson. 1450? Yes, call 1450, and, and there's an option on there for the Mission Act. Okay. Press that option, you'll get an operator, and then you will tell them, I want to have all of my primary care transferred to the Mission Act. I want to be eligible for that so that I can choose my own doctor because they're, the doctors at the VA healthcare system right now in Tucson, they're inundated with too many clients, too many patients. Yeah. You know, there's just no, no real way that they can actually handle your care. And because you're more than 50 miles away, that's another indicator that you can have your choice of doctors out in the community. Oh, that would be great. So you can do all of that. I go through the Chiricahua healthcare system. I mean, I really don't mm -hmm. like them, but they're okay for now. Yeah. Uh, they're handling my needs 90% better than the VA has ever handled it. And when, in order, like you were saying before, in order for me to get the help I needed, I called the White House. I got the White House AIDS in Washington, D.C., which hooked me up with Trump created this other call center back mm -hmm. when he first was elected to 
He wanted to fix these uh, veteran issues. So I got hooked up with that call center. I, sp I spoke for about an hour and a half about all the problems I had here in Sierra Vista, Tucson, with the healthcare system for medical, mental, all of it, mm -hmm. and told them how they, they're just nothing. I, I waited nine months in pain without a doctor at the VA healthcare system in Tucson to ever see me. All they wanted to do was send me for PT, physical therapy. You need to get assessed. And like I said, they gave me a walker. Okay, I walk pretty well without a walker. It's just when I'm in pain, I'm in pain. Right. A walker's not going to heal the pain. Right. So once I called the call center in Washington, D.C., the head of the Tucson Medical in the VA hospital called me. First, he started off with, why'd you do that? Why didn't you call me direct? Well, I don't know him. Yeah. You know, didn't know you could. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know I could. And then if you try to go from the bottom up in any system, especially the veterans' VA system, it ain't happening because yeah. there's, road, there's, there's gatekeepers everywhere. Yep. So my approach is a top-down approach because shit rolls fast when it goes downhill. Yep. The higher it is, the harder it falls. Well, that's and that's why exactly I went what to Martha happened. McSally's office and yeah. I got results. Right. You know, just the threat got me results. Have either one of you gentlemen tried using the Osbuzman or the patient advocacy office? The Ombudsman's office. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, it took two days for them to call me back. So I had an issue with that because my needs are urgent. Right. Uh, and But they did call me back. I will give them that. Um, they did take my complaint. They did send it to the right person. Um, and that one was for dental. I had to get dental work done. Um, and I did get results with that. So, yes, that do, did work. Do you recall, just say, first name of the individual? I do was not, but it was a woman. Okay. The one I interacted with, I've had very positive results. Uh, his name is Juan at the Tucson main campus. And one point when I went for him for help, he actually stopped what he was doing, got up from his desk, walked with me to the clinic, demanded to see the clinic nurse case manager, and was like, what in the hell is going on? You know, what is the problem? And that blew me away, you know. So um, ever since then, I don't know if my name is now on a list, but ever since then, every time I've gone to the Tucson VA, I've had very, very favorable experiences. Sure, they tag right. you in their file. But a lot of people <laughs> don't, don't even know that the Osbuzman or the patient advocate even exists. Right. You know, so. right, and that's well, a very I good did. point. I, di I did, and I did contact and like i said their recording says they have 72 hours to call you back but yeah. i did get a call back correct in about four hours now the one thing i want to bring up with that is you're you're exactly right the ombudsman and the patient advocate well they think they're one and the same but they did a really good job yeah. and that's what the warrior healing center out here in the community is all about and they don't have that 72 hour turnaround they have an instantaneous turnaround right. when when somebody comes to the warrior healing center with an issue kind of just like what we're talking about that the whole center is one team at that point. And that's what makes a difference. And Having that's what makes a difference. Have to listen to Correct. It. it comes together and we, uh, correct me if you disagree, Michael, 90% immediate action. We Everybody yeah. jumps on the lead. Yeah. We have the Freed Camp, which is where all the data goes into, and it's, a, and it's blasted to all the agencies that can handle the individual's needs. Yeah. And you're right. I, I think it's higher than 90%. Yeah. Um, but everybody is on it instantaneously, you know, right, right from Tim Kirk 
all the way down the list, you know, not, not to, to create a hierarchy, but Tim obviously is, you know, the leader here. Right. Um, but he jumps in just like everybody else does. And we, we tackle the need instantaneously so that people in need or in pain or, you know, are homeless or... And that's a big part of pain management, just exactly. knowing somebody cares. They give a shit. That's the biggest part. Yeah. You know, the, the people care. And they're veterans, caring for veterans. And now we're starting to get the community to understand that, you know, we're here... You know, you need to you need to see the struggles that we're going through. Right. This is really what we're fighting. You know, we've got the the hugest medical network in the country, and it's faltering. It can't handle the needs of the veterans. Right. So the community needs to be aware of that. The government needs to be aware of that. Senators, everybody needs to be aware that you know they're saying all this stuff is happening at the VA healthcare system. It's the but biggest healthcare system in the country. Right. But it is not trickling down to us the ones actually needing the service right there's there's not enough now to bring that i want to bring up another point so we're about two-thirds of the way my opinion getting rid of the healthcare system now here's my here's my logic to that we started out with choice and then trump came in now when choice came in about 30 percent of all the veterans left and went to the choice program i was on it but it was with my primary VA care was how I got to the choice program. Right. And now Trump signed in the Mission Act. Right. Another 30% of veterans left the VA health care system to go out to the Mission Act to get their own doctors out in the community. So that's 60% of the veterans are now using community services for their the medical. they're still saying they're overloaded. And they're still saying they're overloaded. So that leaves 30% of veterans still in the VA health care system. And it's still overwhelming. And they them. still can't handle them. Right. Now I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say anything negative about them. I don't you know, I mean what they do, they do good. Yeah. And when the they do I get to see you, yeah. they do treat you. Absolutely. I was at uh, I was in the PTSD group, uh, seven week program up in Build ninety five in Tucson. Did a wonderful job. Um, you know, I came out of there different. I wouldn't have been able to sit here and do this if I hadn't gone through that program. Right. You know, I sit in my house in in my room. I was I'm an agoraphobic. You know, mm -hmm. along with all of that. But when they do get a hold of the veteran and you get in front of a doctor and you explain your needs, the majority of the time they're able to identify and, and help with those needs. I fully agree. I look at the, the VA healthcare system, you got two parts. You got the bureaucracy, the bean counters, the one that require all this other crap before you can even sit down with a healthcare provider. And never shall those two meet or agree on anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just nature of the beast with being a, a government bureaucracy. Yeah. My experiences with the Tucson VA and even our clinic here in Sierra Vista, once I actually got with a provider, other than when I was a patient at Walter Reed after I was wounded, the best health care I've received in my life. The obstacle was getting to that point exactly exactly you're you're correct and um like my neurologist at tucson va is one of the top five in the nation yeah you know and has done wonders for uh, my brain injury it was a bit of a challenge to actually sit in front of him 
and it was there again the bureaucratic process the check the block to check the block oh you didn't check this block you got to go back to ground one mm-hmm. page one no you can't reuse that package you got to start on a whole new packet you know and right. that's this the the bureaucracy of they want you to quit one thing a lot of veterans also don't realize is at some point during your application for compensation in healthcare, your comp and pen application for benefits, at some point, someone in the bureaucracy side is going to suggest, let's close out this application and start another one. Do not do that because when you get to the point that it's actually adjudicated and you're awarded benefits, it goes back to the day that you first applied. Yes, correct. I know veterans who waited for one guy 13 years, and it, it was partially because he kept moving around the country and his packet kept moving with him. But 13 years, he stuck with the same open application for benefits, and when it was finally awarded, it was backdated 13 years to include his VA compensation paycheck was backdated 13 years. And that's because he kept it open. Because he right. kept it Correct. open. People don't realize that because they don't tell you that naturally because, you know, it opens yeah, they them up for... restart the date. Yeah, yeah. they want right. you to restart, refile, which changes your date of eligibility mm-hmm. and could severely impact you not only on treatment options for actual legitimate health care, but if you qualify for... A percentage of income, uh, pension, is definitely going to affect how yeah, much I've, you I've get on back pay. Absolutely. On my knees. <coughs> Excuse me. The other point I want to point out: a lot of veterans don't know this, but if you are receiving disability from the VA, you can also receive Social Security disability from the Social Security Administration. Veterans don't understand that they can collect both. Yes. At a hundred percent. Okay, I took a Social Security early retirement at 62. Right. Can I bump that into SSDI? That I don't know. What What is your VA rating? Or 40%. Do you have 40? Yeah. I will have to look. I have a, a VSO, Veteran Service Officer Handbook, somewhere mm-hmm. in my office. Um, I'm in the middle of moving offices, so right. I don't know where it is. But uh, in that is the guidelines for that. Um I was, I guess you could say, when it comes to compensation, I, I'm fortunate in that I was medically retired due to the wounds I received in combat. So within 90 days of when I retired, I was drawn 100% VA, my Army pension, and I qualified for Social Security disability. And I filled out the form, turned it in over at the Social Security office at Douglas. They called right. me a week later, said, you're good to go. Well, so, my question is, I'm already getting regular Social Security. You should be able, because the difference between normal Social Security and SSDI, Social Security Disability Insurance, is a little bit more month, and it is a right. clear and distinct different program. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, um, and then on the VA side of it, you don't have to be 100%. No. Right. My rating is 70%, but I'm unemployable, so I'm getting paid at 100% rate. Right. Which means that I am, I mean, I don't, I don't have uh, any more reviews. They, they've considered yeah. me permanent in total. The only difference 
with my permanent and total is that if I die before 10 years, my wife doesn't get the, the dick, the dependent uh, for... for Income compensation. Correct. So that's the only difference. And I'm looking into that piece of it. But I'm at 70%. You have to be at a combined percentage rate of 70 or higher before you can go for unemployability. Right. But I, I came into Arizona and nobody would hire me. I mean, I couldn't get a job to save my soul. So they, they wound up giving me the unemployability. I don't have the uh, comp and pen reviews anymore. And Social Security is paying me disabled as well. Right. So I get both of those. And the only, you know, the good part about that, well, I did, it took me 38 years. Okay. I didn't, I hated the military when I got out um, because I didn't want to leave. They told me I had no choice. Right. Um, so I didn't want nothing to do with them. And then it was a friend of mine that got me involved uh, with the VA healthcare system. Hey, you know, you need to go, you have PTSD, you know, you're you just messed up, you need to go get help. And I didn't know what PTSD was back then either. You know, so I think it was like 2011, you know, I was introduced to the VA healthcare system. Uh, 2014, I filed. Um, and of course, they denied my, my claim, um, which I didn't really care at that point in time, because like I said, I didn't understand what PTSD was. I didn't understand any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, they denied me. And that kind of pissed me off because as I started in, you know, digging into my own records, all the information was in there. They denied my claim with all the proof in my records. So then I filed again in 2016. And this is what really sucked about it. They threw out my claim in 2016, reopened my claim in 2014, and didn't back pay me for any of it. What? So... You know, so you, you really, really have to be on, like you were saying, uh, Eddie, you, you have to make sure the case doesn't close because they have the right to go back to an old claim and say, hey, yeah, we're going to approve this one, but not back pay you because you allowed it to, to close. Right. But they have the right to go back to it because all the evidence was already there. Can they close a case like that without telling you about it? Or do they have to notify you before? No, you have it? to be notified okay. of, of everything. You know, everything that they do is written notification and you can call the vba administration you could hammer them daily if you wanted to and get updates and status updates on everything when i went to get my disability for my knees i went through the dav here and they were great they helped me and i went through first time they got accepted and i got my and that's the other part about you know, six months it took exactly so thing. so explain a little bit about the dav because a lot of veterans don't know what the dav actually does for them oh my god the dav is a great organization it's disabled american veterans and they will give you rides to the doctor they will bring food to your house. They will help get your settlements. They'll bend over backwards to help you yeah. any way they can. And they're a great organization. It costs nothing. They also so, help you set up with the, your flags, your, yeah. your burials, yep. all of that stuff. So they're, they're yeah. A to Z, you know, they're, they're life to death. Yep. Veterans help. And they're awesome. Yeah. They really, like, <clears throat> I expected mine to get turned down on my knees the first time. Mine was, uh, it's a weird injury I got. I was working on an icebreaker and we were painting the galley, and they had two big old speakers hanging on the walls. And I had a guy steadying the ladder for me, and I was taking one of the speakers off the wall, and the ladder jiggled, and the speaker came down and hit me in my knees. Mm. And I went down on it. That's how I got injured. And uh, they didn't dispute it at all. You know, they sent me to their doctor, right. you know, and I got evaluated by them. And a few months later, it was in the bank. 
super fortunate here in southeast Arizona that the the VSOs, the veteran service officers that are VA trained that work with the DAV, mm-hmm. especially here in the Cochise County Sierra Vista area, are very, very proficient. They are. And uh, I think we're blessed to have that. We have a great veterans community in this area. And, you know, one of the things uh, is creating that awareness because there are there are a lot of families out there that in this area, especially Sierra Vista, majority of the families in this town are related to some form of active or retired military, yeah. you know, and what we need to do is get the warrior healing centers out there so that they are aware of this. And the way I found it was through social media. Right. And that social media is our best platform right now. Exactly. More exposure that way. And the more we can create uh, a footprint on social media, the more people will understand yep. what the Warrior Healing Center is here for or what okay. it's doing. And right now they have that 22 for tw- to N22, which is mm. the suicide, the veteran suicide rate. Mm. And so they are accepting donations for that. Do either of you know the website that they can go to for that? Mm. I know there's a website. If you can't get the website, you can stop by, you know, the Warrior Healing Center, uh, make a donation or whatnot. But yeah. But that's for the veteran suicide. I mean, we have veterans right here in our own town that have, you know, are killing themselves and active soldiers that are killing themselves. So, you know, that needs to be, you know, another piece that really needs to be addressed out there. Right. Awareness. We used to have another organization here that I was part of. It was called Veterans on Patrol. It was here, Tucson, and in Phoenix. We actually started a homeless veterans camp here behind Walmart and the city and the county both told us there was no need for that here and tried to shut us down. We moved to camp three times, and finally the last time, the county came in and said, if you don't have infrastructure that's up to code, you can't do this anymore. And we went to to the city hall and everything else, tried to work this out with them. They wanted nothing to do with us. They We're, wouldn't accept that there's a problem here, and there is. I know these guys have been out in the ditches with them. There is a problem. There's a major problem across this mm-hmm. country with, with homeless veterans, yes. uh, I think. Last, last I checked, 79% of the homeless people are veterans, you know, and of those, you know, they can't get housing. They don't have their benefits. They don't understand right. that they are entitled to benefits. We actually found a guy who was 92 years old living in a ditch behind Walmart, yeah. and it took us several months to even get him to accept our presence there. And once he did, we finally got him acclimated, got him his benefits, and got him into an apartment where he lived till he passed. Right. You know, but that was us. The city didn't help. The county didn't help. Nobody wanted anything to do with us. No, they 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 don't want anything to do with it. I worked for uh, I was I lived in Missouri in Springfield, and I worked for a project called the Home. Um, oh wow, I just drew a blank. I worked for the Kitchen Inc. for the Housing First program. Oh okay. And it's for veterans that are chronically homeless. And chronically homeless, even if you couch surf for the past 10 years, mm-hmm. you're still chronically homeless because you do not have a physical place right. of your own. They wanted nothing to do with that, you know. And the city didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to get involved. And that's kind of what's happening here in Sierra Vista. Mm-hmm. Let's just go in there, you know, Springfield, Missouri, they burned out their stuff, um, burned them out. They went through the tunnels, burned out them, mm-hmm. kicked everybody out. So everything that they did acquire, through donations, tents, sleeping bags, the city went and burnt them out. 
We had the same thing in Tucson. When they closed the camp down in Tucson, they came in with bulldozers. We had several GP larges set up there. We had a whole complete infrastructure right. with water and everything. city decided they didn't want it there anymore. It was eyesight. It was by Santa Rita Park, which is a big homeless center right there at the park. Right. They had the park cleaned up, had all the druggies chased out of there. They came in, bulldozed the camp, threw everybody out, and the park's back to the way it was. Now, here's a good, here's a good fact that the city of, of Sierra Vista and Tucson, all of Arizona, needs to, needs to really listen to. It costs the city, it costs them $80,000 yearly for one homeless person on the street. Yeah. So now in Texas, what they did, they took all their homeless and they gave them a one-way ticket and 50 bucks and they sent a whole bunch of them to Springfield, Missouri. So they inundated us with this homeless population. They just shipped them out. And in the worst so, climate possible. Exactly. What are they going to do during the winter with they, those guys? They shipped them to us in the winter. Yeah. And now we had, I think we had like 70 different, 70 new homeless people wow. in our community That's that ridiculous. another state just decided we don't want them here. We're going to ship you out of here. You know, and now they have yeah. laws against it. Yeah. But they did get, in Springfield, I did work with uh, uh, this the city. They got the homeless court going, or the, yeah, the homeless court. Then they got the VA, VA court thing going. Mm-hmm. Um and it just really started helping because, you know, a lot of the homeless people are veterans and a lot of them Absolutely. have mental illnesses. A lot of them have yep. drug addictions, alcohol addictions. Yep. And all of the above, some of them. Every one of them, <laughs> yeah. The, all of the above to, to some degree. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, some, and the majority of them don't want to be there. You know, the, the majority mm-hmm. of them are the kindest people in the world. Right. You know, they would give you the shirt off their back even though they don't even have a place to live. Right. You know, I mean, and... Society don't understand that. When we had the camp set up here and in Tucson, it was run strictly on donations. Yeah. It didn't cost the city a penny. Right. In fact, we contribute. We go out and give the guys water and stuff like that in the yeah. parks and stuff. We do it here still once in a while. But these are the people, but, these veterans, we need to come into the Warrior Healing Center so right. that we can help them. The you know, problem with that is somebody needs to go out and make friends with these guys first. They're not just going to walk in here on their own. Yeah. That's not going to happen. There has to be some sort of outreach to them. They're not going to walk in here on their own. They're not. And, and you know, I would love that, we, you know, we get we get packets together and just walk out into the community, walk well, out into the... We do that sometimes. You know. I mean, my origin is Sahara. Yeah. We work with uh, Kochi Serving Bets and Potter's Hands and some other places like that, and they do actually put stuff together for these guys survival kits is what we call them right and take them out there once in a while and give them to them or but some of the guys like the guys that sit in front of walmart's been the same guy sitting out there for three years and they're just milking the system well and that's you know? the problem you know people people get to see faces you know mm-hmm. I, I when we first moved here uh we moved into mountain steps apartments right four houses down was our neighbors mm-hmm. and we seen you know every morning our neighbors in a house with a car, you know, with with a kid in school, mm-hmm. they would they would get their signs and walk down to the street corner, mm-hmm. you know. And the problem with that is, I had a lot of I had a lot of people push back. I'm also a, I'm also a pastor, so there's oh, a lot okay. of people push back and say, don't don't give them money, you know, don't do this, don't do that. But at the end of the day, you give as you feel led. Right. It doesn't matter what they use that money for. It right. doesn't matter if your heart says to donate to give, you do that. You know, the same thing here at the Warrior Healing Center, the 22 to N22. It doesn't matter. You know, if your heart says to give, give. Right. 
you know, and it doesn't matter how much you give. Yeah. The idea is that you are are putting yourself out there because you feel it in your heart to do something. And it's the poorest people that give the most. When we had the camp over here, you'd see the guy come in, he'd go get his food handout box, Mm -hmm. and the stuff they didn't want, they'd bring to us. Right. You know, they had nothing to begin with, and they'd still give us part of what they had. But they learned not to waste. You know, we we here in America, you know, we learned really quick how to waste everything. Everything. You know, I mean, we throw away more food. Our trash cans are heavier than our shopping bags. Yes. You know, because we just throw everything away. You know, so yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, but there, like I said, there has to be some sort of outreach. Some of us get together and go out in the field or something. You know, and, and it needs to be groups of we, we use groups of two or three guys. You don't exactly. want to overwhelm you, you, them. You know, like you're coming into the camp. Right. You don't want to go know? in there as an army. Right. And we would go in there in fatigues and stuff, so they felt comfortable with us. Yep. But that's one worked. one thing we're at a we just discussed this the other day, Michael. We're at a critical juncture now with the Warrior Healing Center. That the base, if you will, the starting point is intact and established, and we got a concrete foundation supporting this house that we're building. We're at a critical point now where we need more community interaction with volunteers to help us carry, yeah, carry this message out to the wash behind Walmart. Or, uh, you know, we get a tip that there's a homeless veteran living in his car. And we get a description of the car, and mm-hmm. we spend six hours driving around town looking for that car. Right. That's not cost effective. It, and it pulls know. away from the operations sure. of the center. Now, but in that particular case. That's where we, the volunteers come Yeah, in. we were fortunate. Engineers. Potter's Hands yeah. is a good organization. So, they do that a lot. Yeah. I think they have they moved away here last year or something like that. But Someone who's coming on board is a young lady who's volunteered to be our volunteer coordinator, and she's going to take on that role of outreach reaching or, out yeah getting volunteers organizing them making sure either each individual volunteer or group of volunteer hey look this is this is where we're at right now i need you to work on this one task and see it through to the end or you five guys work on this one task and see right. it through to the end i wouldn't suggest and, anybody going out by themselves at least yeah. to go to group it's two or three no never and three never send a woman alone ever. yeah because you never know when yeah. you're going to come up yeah. something that's on drugs and well, sure. really raging or something you know some right. some of the tasks that we need help with is just as simple as driving over to arizona workforce and drop off this pile of paperwork for us and i work with jerry over there too he's so, a good guy oh yeah jerry's yeah. awesome we're blessed with the what came to mind was the word community we're blessed with the family the the army if you will that we're gathering here yes at the center uh the team right exactly that, that's right. the word i was looking for yep you gotta excuse me downside of having been shot in the head is sometimes <laughs> the, things don't make sense when they, when they come out but the cool part <laughs> is we're all we've all been there you know we, yeah. we all we're have all in this together something yeah you know that w- why we're here you know, and, and that's that's the great thing about the center is that we are a family of veterans with issues. Yeah. Oh, this Good. is something I, I meant to comment going back to veteran health care. A lot of veterans that are in the VA system also don't know they have the right to fire that provider and demand to see a new one. Correct. They think it's just like the army. You know, this is my doctor, and I'm stuck with this guy. And either he's a poor provider, there's not a good rapport, 
personality class. The what, down here, you only got yeah. two choices, and they're both in the lot very well. Right. Know? Yeah. Well, so that's why I was going to opt out and just drive up to Tucson, let them pay me sixty-five bucks to go up there every time I want to. See but you do, you do have that option if you don't think you're getting the best care provided. You have the the right to say, I don't want to see this particular provider ever more, n- never, and go see a new one or a different well, one. Well, that's where I'm at with the one yeah. I'm with now. I'm so, not going to say any names, but. Um, so, sorry for sort of the delay there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of went around the horn today with a, a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. all of which are, you know, really topics that we need to, you know, address individually and, you know, as a whole t- for, to get awareness out there. Right. You know, veterans are, are great people, men and women, um, all walks of life. You know, but the we, one we thing have, we all have in common is we are veterans. We are veterans. We we have yeah, unique sets of issues. Commonality. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not different from society, civilization, or civilians. You know, we we just have other issues. Our our healthcare system is kind of different. It's the biggest in the world, yet it's faltering. Uh, or it's biggest in the nation. Let me take that back. Yeah. Um, you know, and now they're putting in other things. Um, they're also not working efficiently because. The, the VBA, the Veterans Benefits Administration, is separate from the veterans' health care system. So they don't communicate all that well, so that causes more delays. That so, was a problem I had with the Veterans' Choice problem, Program, too. Exactly. When you went out into the community and had whatever you had done, they didn't p- report the results back to my doctor. Right. So there was no cohesiveness there. And that's, and that's one of the biggest issues. That the red tape in the VA's health care system <coughs> excuse, excuse me, is what's causing... The backlog. The Warrior mm-hmm. Healing Center here, um, 1838 Peso San Luis, um, they have 44 different organizations plus in this building. Um, they have a couple of agencies that are not veterans agencies, NAMI for one, and uh, Arizona we'll Network. in here too. I'm sorry? We'll be bringing Sahara in here also. Okay. So there, so there are other services in this one building, you know, that that are all here for veterans, and there are some here, you know, that aren't veterans. Especially your caregivers, especially uh, you know your loved ones. You know, you guys mm-hmm. are all and gals are all welcome here. Sure. You know, uh, every Thursday from nine to eleven, we have a bagels and brew. Come in, you know, socialize, you know, get some coffee, bagels. There's always some fruit something there, um, and take a tour. You know, see what's see what's available here. Meet the people. You know, we, we are we are normal. You know, people, um, veterans, we have issues. You know, people out there have issues. But awareness is what we need. Uh, people need to know that we are here and mm-hmm. that uh, we are doing great things, great strides, and we need help. We need veterans or we need volunteers. We need uh, physical bodies volunteering. We need financial, you know, uh, donations. Uh, and all of that can be, you know, done right here at the center. Just drive on in. Um, ask to speak to uh, anybody that's here, and uh, Tim, Kathy, or uh, Beth, and they'd be glad to take your donations. Uh, right. If you want to volunteer, come on in and uh, talk to us and let us know what you're interested in doing, and we'll have a list of things that uh, you can get involved in. So with that, I think we're going to close. Um, 
it was great. Thank you both for uh, being a part of this. This Thank is our you first. Thank you for having us. Sounds like we've got something going to happen here. Yeah, I think it's great, and uh, we'd, we'd love to see you guys come back and do this again. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. We'll get things going.